I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. I am joined again by Kyle Nathan. We're going to do another mailbag. I think we'll make this a close to weekly thing, so keep the questions coming. And uh, Kyle, welcome on. Thanks. Yeah, excited to do it again. Yeah. Did you uh, watch much of the PGA this weekend? I did. I enjoyed it. I think that um, it was nice to see... Justin get his get his major win. I think it was uh, one of those things where you knew it was coming, kind of like where I feel like Ricky Fowler's game is now too, where you know it's going to probably come, you just don't know when, and it's going to be an exciting time. And I'm happy for him and happy for golf, actually. Yeah, it's you know he seemingly got into contention at the U.S. Open. It was like the first time in major in a major in contention. He struggled mightily on Sunday, but you could see that coming after he shot a 9-under-63 the day before to get into the final group. It almost would have been a blessing if he had missed that final group. But then, you know, he struggles. Sure enough, next time in contention, probably a lot more comfortable. And I think he, he benefited from not being in that final group and gets the job done. I mean, Kisner would seem... It was, Leaking oil all day. Chris Stroud, he's very patiently leaking oil uh, after the first two rounds. And Hideki just doesn't seem as sharp. So it was wide open, and, and JT just hit the best shots and made the most putts. He did. He's kind of getting the reputation of a pretty, pretty good closer. He didn't, you know... The U.S. Open, I wouldn't say that was a closing opportunity because he wasn't really in it, you know, down the stretch um, on Sunday. But if you look at his track record, he's very, very good when he is in it down the stretch. And that's exciting to see. That's one of the, you know, characteristics that made Tiger so appealing. Yeah, he has a gas pedal. Like the, obviously, you know, the scoring record at at Sony and the 59 and then the the 63 like when that guy's on and the putter's hot it, it's something else he he's right there in terms of explosiveness with a a Rory a Dustin Johnson um when he's on it's it, it i think it'll be interesting to see you know career wise he's 24 one major where where he gets to i think he he sets up really well for PGA championships um but like U.S. Opens might be a little bit different, different story, and uh, Open Championships. Yeah, I, I think given his age, he'll develop the necessary facets of his game to adjust to a you know an Oakmont Open setup or or even a British Open setup. I think you know he's just twenty four, so he's got you know eight years till he supposedly reaches his prime, eight to nine years. So I, we could see a lot of majors from him. 
Were you disappointed in anyone from the week? Um, I don't know. Disappointed. I I I was surprised Mickelson missed the cut. Um, given his track record at the uh, Wells Fargo, I I was surprised. Um, you know, Rory never never got it going. DJ never really got it going. You know, those those were some surprising things. But I feel like the PGA Championship, the Open is pretty unpredictable the open championship but the pga championship you usually get some interesting guys in the top there that you don't you didn't see coming and um certainly with stroud and um a few of the others you just you just never know what the pga i feel like yeah it's i wonder why the pga yields so many fluky winners it is strange i i, I don't i don't have a good answer for it it, it does kind of seem more like a regular tour event than a major i guess which might be a problem the tournament has but I, I i don't really it you know you look back and you have some pretty bizarre winners but you can say the same you know michael campbell won the us open todd hamilton won the british Open. you know you get some some different winners on in the other majors it just seems like i agree you get the sean mckeels and you know, those type of players at the PGA a little more often. Sean McKeel, Y.E. Yang. Um, yeah. It, it could be the, it could go to the golf courses, too. I just think they play just stinky golf courses. <laughs> so it's just it, the better. Like, Augusta is a perfect example. Like, the best players win at Augusta because it's the best golf course. Yeah, Augusta doesn't really have many. You know, Schwartzel was a big surprise, but then he turned out to be, you know, one of the top players in the world. Mm-hmm. You Bubba, know, Emelman got hurt. Bubba only wins at like five courses, but they're always pretty good golf courses. Um, True. But let's get into the uh, the questions. We got a ton of them here, and uh, we got a uh, a lot of questions about Louis Ustase, and most people probably don't know that you're like the biggest Louis fan in the world. I am a Louis fanboy. <laughs> um, I don't even know why. I don't even. I was trying to think yesterday how it even started. I think it started out as a joke, and uh, I just I put money on him to win a couple tournaments and decided that I was just going to commit to that plan, and uh, just been a big Louis fan. Yeah, even though he's kind of burned you, he never wins in the Western Hemisphere. I know. I need to. I need him to go back to the other hemisphere and start wagering <laughs> on those. Um, so uh, Justin Anderson wants to know: Is Louis a Hall of Famer, or will he be by the end of his career? Obviously, that has a lot to do with what happens. As much as I want to say yes to this, I think he needs one more win um, in the United States, or even I'd say I'd say a win in the United States or another Open Championship. I think he's really borderline. He has 11 wins, um, and they're pretty major events, too. You know, he's won a major. um, But I just think he needs the one win because it's not like he's putting up um, Montgomery-type seasons, you know, not, you know, internationally where he's going to win the Order of Merit six, seven times in a row, whatever it was. Um, So I think he just needs another win, and I I do think he'll get it. so we'll have to see. I think that's a to be determined. I it's pretty crazy when you look at his runner ups. So he has, which is well documented. A lot of people have been talking about this. He's ru- he's runner up runner up finish in every single 
major championship, but he also has a runner-up at the WGC match play and the players. And I think uh, Abu Dhabi. Uh, the players hurt this year. I thought he had that for sure. Yeah. It, it, who? Nobody saw Siwoo coming. Nope. <laughs> um, so just I, it, it's so hard. To, it, sometimes I feel like winning's overrated in golf just because it's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. It might be like the underrated, under uh, overrated thing, but when you finish second in, in every major, that's got to get you something, um, it, even though it gets you really nothing because you, you, nobody remembers that. But that, that, that's got to help him out. Um, and he should be in the Hall of Fame just from that video he posted last night. Yeah. I mean, I, he did make like a million dollars, and he was flying a private jet, which you know right. makes, makes you not feel his pain as much for... For finishing second again, right? But, but uh, he's probably just—he loves just chilling on his farm. That's like, I think the career scope of Louis is this guy. He doesn't golf is like a secondary thing. Golf is he—he he works, which is golf to live. Like he's not a live to work guy, right? Like a lot of these guys out here, he—he he really doesn't care about golf as much as a. You know, Jordan Spieth. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the things I've always liked about him is he just wants to go back and, you know, roll in the hay. <laughs> Get a new tractor and tend to the farm. Yep. I think he's got vineyards now, too. So it, he. that's what I noticed about the South African guys. Like Ernie Ells kind of didn't really, you know, he especially once he hit 40, he cared so much more about things outside of golf than competitive golf. And I think mm-hmm. Louis the same way. Char- Charles Schwartzel's the same way. Um, I don't know much about Brandon Grace, but, um, but you know, these South Africans are kind of, kind of different breed. It's interesting there. Yeah, you're right. It's except for Gary player, of course. Oh yeah. Whack job. Maybe, maybe they're all rebelling against Gary player. <laughs> he set a poor example. Yeah. They're like, uh, they're, they're teen angst against Gary, <laughs> Father Gary Player. Um, so here's, a, here's another interesting Louis question. Is, is One of the things I love about Louis is he ships his mattress from, from, uh, from tournament to tournament. And um, Mark Caverhill wants to know if that's part of his NetJet sponsorship or UPS uh, sponsorship. And he wants to know if he has two in case one gets delayed. And I actually asked a bunch of people at, at the uh, players about this. And in the U.S., there's a guy that, that takes all the stuff from one stop to another on the tour. And that's the guy who takes Louis' mattress from tour stop to tour stop. So, like, people will give this guy on Sunday all the golf bags and he loads them up in like his trailer or something and drives them to the next spot and they're there they're always guaranteed to be there by Monday morning. So I think Louie does the same thing with his mattress. Um but I'm not sure how he does it uh on the European tour. I'm guessing UPS is a huge part of that. I uh, and sorry. But like how much I imagine you could just buy a new mattress everywhere you want. 
could if he keeps playing like that, that's for sure. But he might have it, you know, it might be worn in just right. It might be a special, special mattress. I'm not, I'm going to say he only has one because sometimes a good Louis thing to do as an avid Louis watcher is he starts, um, starts off tournaments very poorly. So I'm guessing that his mattress usually probably doesn't arrive. And then he'll shoot, you know, 76 the opening round and then three straight 64s after his mattress gets in there. So I think he should look into getting a backup. I, I think they should rotate them. So one should go, if that's the case, one should be sent there pre-tournament. You know, he should almost have two. And the next one's going to the next stop before he, before he even gets there. It's there a week early. You that's can't be, genius can't be jeopardizing your sleep nope all right staying with hall of fame potential inductees what do you think of hideki matsuyama and can we win a major someday that's from robert bernard i think hideki is going to win a major it's not a if obviously there's no guarantees but you look at the guy's track record i think he has seven top 10 finishes in majors and majors and he's played in 21 total so a third of the time he's finished in the top 10 and that includes like as an amateur at 21 in the masters um so it's, it's just a matter of time i mean you put yourself close to contention enough you're eventually gonna find it and i think this is he just needs to become a better putter in my estimation i don't know what do you, what do you think I was going to say that exact same thing. I think he could win 12 majors if he um, improves his putting. That's easier said than done. Sometimes, you know, the Tiger can't change its stripes, but sometimes it can. And I think putting is a is a hard thing to exponentially improve at. I think of all the things, that's the hardest to go from being a poor putter to a great putter, mostly because it's all mental. But he's got the ball striking. I mean, he's to be number one in the world. I don't think there's anybody that would doubt that. I just think that if if he can learn to putt, you don't see many majors won um, with guys that didn't putt well, with the exception of exception of Jason Duffner at Oak Hill, where he was, you know, stoning it to three feet every hole and missed half of them. Um, you don't see. Poor, poor putting win majors. But if he can get that right, he can win, I mean, as many as he wants. If he can't, he's going to have to have a week where he just, you know, like a Duffner-esque week where he's, you know, hitting the ball on a blanket. Yeah, I think that that's the thing, too, that goes a little bit unnoticed is that Hideki's ball striking slipped up big time over the weekend. So had he hit the ball the way he hit it the first two rounds and last week at Bridgestone on the weekend – he might have won. Um, right. I So, obviously, you can't hit the ball perfect all the time, but with the way – there's going to be one of these weeks where the convergence is going to happen, and he blew, he blew, blows people out when he when he plays well. Um, and that's something we saw with Tiger. It's something we see with all the elite players is that when they really put it all together, it nobody has a shot. And, uh, and he's just been so close so much. I think – you know, he's almost like a, a Sergio Garcia at this point on steroids in terms of how many close calls and majors he's already, like how many times he's been in contention for how short of a career he's had. They have similar uh, similar golf games, really. Yeah, just 
unbelievable tee to green, all the shots, but the putter just doesn't seem to make enough putts. Um, but I think I think he's it's just a I, I would I would bet he would get one in the next two years um, at the very least. I would agree. Um, so, uh, oh, Chad from Deer Park is back. Chad, Chad from Deer Park uh, is so this week's event is the Wyndham, and it decides who stays and goes from the tour. So he wants to know who you want from outside the top 125 to make a charge and get in. Um, from the top, from outside the top 125, I'm gonna say Sam Saunders. And I'm going to say that because, as everybody knows, he's the grandson of Holly Saunders. <laughs> and it'd be cool to get her and him, you know, at the events. And also, he's a pretty good—I mean, he's a little bit streaky, obviously. But when he plays well, he can play real well. So that's who I'd like to see make it um, to the next event. <laughs> I didn't know uh, Holly Saunders had a grandson. Oh, yeah. Sam. <laughs> Sammy. Sammy. <laughs> um, well— I'm gonna go with uh, my boy Ken Duke. The he played the greatest round of golf in the history of golf last year at the Players. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> he he shot a seven, uh, 65 that day. That was an incredible round. He got he wouldn't even be in this situation if it if the players had a real exemption thing. Like who finishes in a third in a in a huge championship? And doesn't get invited back next year. Ken uh, Ken Duke should That's have been there. Unbelievable, really. And we all know he dominates Sawgrass. So I personally, I think that he deserves a special exemption next year for just the mismanagement of exemptions that the PGA Tour clearly, you know, it's almost like there's a Ken Duke vendetta on tour. <laughs> can't do vendetta oh god but yeah a close second is charlie wee he's he's a long way out he's at 218 but i think uh we just need to see a little bit more charlie wee in events he he thrilled the world at at the zurich with him and kj Choi as a team thrilled the world all right here here's a good question will thrasher from warsaw indiana the prevailing wisdom seems to indicate that Phil is a lock for the President's Cup, but I don't see it. His game is nowhere right now. Without Bones, he seems lost. Would love to see Duffner picked instead. He is already buddies with Ricky, JT, and company. Would be a great veteran presence and natural best ball pairing with JT, his usual practice round partner. Would like your thoughts. So, I think it's it's well documented. I think Phil is, is very overrated as a player all time. <laughs> Um, I, I would definitely agree. He doesn't, by, by form, he doesn't deserve a spot on the President's Cup team. He's really done nothing. Um, when he's gotten into contention, he's faded. But there's this whole experience thing, and, you know, he's going to be a future cap. Like, there's no way he gets left off this team. There's just no possible way he, he does. Like, the player I'd like to see in there instead of him is Brian Harmon, but that's not going to happen. Um, I think so. Yeah. And long, long story short, there's no chance. I saw Patrick Reed moved in and, uh, 
into the top ten too. So it, they've got two uh, two picks, and it'll be interesting because now Chapel's outside Harmon, uh, Duffner, Woodland, Snedeker, Steele, and then it's uh, Phil. So who would you like to see? I mean, do you think there's any way Phil gets left off? I don't. Um, I, I'd like to see Brian Harmon out of everybody you mentioned. I don't see Phil getting left off, but, um, you know, it surprised everybody when the U.S. national team left Landon Donovan out, which is kind of a similar, um, <clears throat> you know, end of his career, struggling a bit. But I, I, I just can't see one of his contemporaries leaving him off the team. If it was, you know somebody else maybe but I, I just i can't see mickelson being left off that is an interesting dynamic about these team events is like the veterans have such an advantage over younger guys because the guys picking them are like their buddies that they've played on tour with forever right it's, it's you know it, it, that's a the added benefit i as a veteran it, it, i think that i don't know i think the veteran presence is like such garbage when it comes to these team competitions like you need to have a veteran in the locker room like it's golf like i mean what's what's phil gonna say to you before a match that could possibly like make you play better is he gonna say like play better yeah i've i'm i think it's especially in golf i mean it it just seems i mean there's a certain element of you know pairing guys together that have uh you know one guy makes a ton of pars real steady. The other guy, you know, makes a lot of birdies. That makes sense. But, you know, you don't need pods to discuss it and secret committees and whatever they're talking about. You know, I, I just, I don't think that's necessary. Yeah, I'm, I'm so out on, on strategy. It's, it's, it's an individual game. Yep. It's so. Um, all right, Barry W. had a great question. Did you know that the Solheim Cup was this week, first off? I absolutely did not. I remember seeing it was somewhere in August. I I didn't know it was this week, though. Um, Likelihood of any gimme controversies slash tears slash seven-hour rounds this time around. (laughs) He'll hang up and listen. I will say that likelihood is high, and I, I really hope it happens. I think that's been some of the great drama of uh, team golf is you never know when you're going to have to replay a shot. You never know when there's going to be tears, uh, you know, streamers in the hair flying. You just never know. And I, I think that should be the way golf is. So I'm going to say I'm looking forward to any incident. I won't watch the tournament at all. But I will rely on Twitter to provide me some good video of uh, – tears <laughs> um i was talking with, about this with somebody the other day is how the lpga tours two big moments this year was when lexi mismarked her ball uh just in their just horrible handling of the situation yeah <laughs> waiting a day informing her in the middle of her last round i, I it, it was they just botched this whole thing and they got all these these viewers in and everybody stayed but everybody was so mad at the tour they're they're infuriated with the tour so then the next time they kind of got right into the spotlight and it was a big moment was the was the round that playoff between i can't remember who it was 
Um, but they kept playing this horrible golf hole over and over and over again. <laughs> and it was taking ex- absurdly long because of how long these women were taking to play. And it was like the two big moments in the LPGA season have been just marred in controversy and everybody being like, what the hell is going on on this tour? Um, so, yeah, I I expect... You can that. add all the women's golf in there, too, with that, uh, you know, the, the whole raked putt in the uh, women's junior am. Was it a gimme? Was it not? The whole thing. Um, you can add that in there, too. I, You know, are women secretly more competitive than men? I, I don't know that they're secretly more competitive. I think society probably has a certain, you know, view on their competitiveness probably, you know, just from from a long, long period of time thinking one way and then it maybe it shocks people that they act and think another way. I don't know. But um, it is it is interesting that the three biggest moments in women's golf are all controversies. Yeah, I, I don't from my days caddying, I feel like Ladies' Day was always way more stingy on gimmies than Men's Day, <laughs> and it's 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 very interesting. It's an interesting dynamic, but we'll see what happens this week. I feel like we might we might get in some trouble with those answers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna move on. Uh, do you? Uh, we got a couple of questions about Midam events. So, what are uh, what are some of your favorite mid-am events that are non-USGA slash state events? Um, some of my personal favorite that I've played, um, I really like the Gasparilla Invitational in Tampa. Um, it's really fun. It's a it's a fun atmosphere. Um, obviously, the golf's great. You get you get a really good field, but it's kind of the whole package for that event. I really like Carlton Woods. You get a great golf course and they treat you well. Um, I haven't played the Crane or the Cup, uh, Crump, but obviously those are very highly regarded. Um, four balls at J.R. Williams at Oak Hill is spectacular. The golf course, the people, the, the way the tournaments run. Champions was an awesome event down in Houston. Um, they treat you great. They make you feel like you know they, they want you there. Um, if you're in Chicago, I know a lot of your listeners are. The Merit Am's really good. That is, you play for a membership. You get a year membership. Um, you play, I think it is 27 holes over two days. And obviously, Merit Merit Club is awesome. The golf course, and you get to you get to be a member there if you win. Uh, the International down here in Florida is another good one. There's so many. It's it's crazy. You know, I I got an email the other day for one, and I never heard of it in my life. And I'm like, wow, this looks awesome. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I think they're almost uh, all the country clubs in almost every city have a lot of great events. I was I've been thinking about playing a couple. Um, I just haven't had time this summer to do any, but like next year, I think I'm probably go go up to. They have one at Kingsley Club up in Northern Michigan, which is yeah, that really, looks great. Really great golf course. Again, if you win, you win a membership. Um, I got I had a. a a reader emailed me about one at their course that's like the country club of uh, North Carolina. I was looking at that one. It looks really cool. It's in the fall. Um, there's That course is awesome, country yeah. club of North Carolina. Yeah, it, it looks uh, looks great. Uh, so I, I, 
I'm a, a golf course snob, so I always, if I'm going to go do one of those, it's probably going to be at a, a nice golf course um, because I don't want to spend four days at a bad one. Um, but, yeah, I, Gasparilla, I might have to do this year. They, uh, it looks like an awesome event. Um, so, let's see. Another question. Here's a good one. What are uh, other, this is timely with the PGA from Sam Schumer, what are other regular tour stops that should be used as major venues but get overlooked? You know, a couple came to mind right away, and one's actually a web.com course, and that's Victoria National um, outside of Evansville. Uh, that golf course, I've played it once. It's it's extremely hard from all the way back. Usually they have the web there, and I think they're up a few tees on a lot of the holes. It's extremely hard. It's extremely good. I just I don't know if um, associate the PGA or the USGA would be willing to go to Evansville. That that remains to be seen. But the golf course is certainly more than capable of having an event. And Muirfield, I think Muirfield would be a great PGA Championship site. And I'd like I'd love to see it there. You know, I heard that they tried to go to Muirfield, but uh, Jack said that the only place in Columbus that could host the memorial was Sciota, and they said no because they and they wanted to move it to Double Eagle, and because of that, they lost out on uh, on hosting a major. I think it was a wow. I think it was a PGA. I'm not sure. It might have been a U.S. Open. I'm not sure, but but one of the but the the deal was you know that you had to move the other event and they but that would be a cool spot. Um, I think another one uh, would be Aronimic that hosted Absolutely. the um, Tigers tournament, Quicken Loans, a couple of years ago. Just got re- restored by uh, Gil Hans. The players just rave about that place. I mean, it's one of many great great golf courses in Philadelphia. Um, and it's, it's tough, challenging. Um, outside of that, I think, you get a lot of good, I mean, Riviera obviously hasn't hosted a major in a long time and it keeps being linked to it. Um, they're, they have the USAM this week, so I'm sure that they're going to get a major championship and announced in the next five years. That would be another obvious one. And then if you moved the... If you moved any of them, you know, the PGA, everybody always talks about the PGA moving to, like, another country, which would never happen because it's the Professional Golfers Association of America. But if yeah. you did, it would be cool to have it at, like, a sandbelt course like Royal Melbourne or uh, or Kingston Heath in Australia. Mm-hmm. So, All right, let's, uh, since we're talking about the PGA, this is from the guys who mow. Uh, will the PGA ever revert, revert back to a match play major? Also, what do you think about mixed alternate shot Olympic golf men's tees? So I'll uh, start with the PGA question. I don't think it ever will move back to a match play major. And I don't think a major championship should be all match play because it, it just becomes too fluky. Like you can play really bad every day and get to like the finals or win if your opponent plays right. worse. So. I think the way you'd have to do it if you did make it a match play major would be similar to what the Western Am does and do either 54 or 72 holes of stroke play and then cut it to 16 guys. And those 16 guys 
play match play in, which I think would be really cool. I mean, it would be like a week long thing, but it would be awesome. Um, I think people would love it. If you were seriously looking for a way for the PGA to become, you know, not the fourth major, you would make that kind of format. I I would love that format. I I just, I think there's almost 0% chance it would happen um, because of the TV money. I think that if you're going to have a, the final on Sunday, you and you act. You know, you get no disrespect to anybody if you get like Rod Pampling, um, and you know Scott Hend or somebody in the finals. This the 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 people aren't going to watch, and that's 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 the major driver of of golf is is the TV ratings right now. And so, I just don't think it would ever. It, it, it would never happen. The, but I would love it to. The other issue is when. Um... When there's only two guys on a golf course, it's it's really kind of boring because there's a lot of dead air. Yeah, you'd have to. I mean, CBS actually might do okay with it because it seemed like there's only two guys on the golf course. CBS yesterday. would just go with their normal, normal, <laughs> normal broadcast. They'd be like, "Oh, great! We could show just as many commercials and and you know fill it with enough fluff, and we don't really have to do anything different." We can watch Jim Nance and his dog hang out. Um, as for mixed alternate shot in the Olympic, in Olympic golf, I think this has legs. I would liken it a lot to the way the Olympics does figure skating, where they have individual, they have mixed figure skating, and then they have freestyle figure skating, which I don't forget ice dancing, ice dancing, big fan of ice dancing. I, I would, I would parallel golf to figure skating. It's. I don't know if I want to say that, but I will say that I would absolutely be all for the mixed alternate shot Olympic golf. I think it's a great idea, um, and I I'm all for it. They should definitely do that. I'd rather have that than an actual competition, to be honest. Who like they had? Who would be the favorite, South Korea or America? Ooh, good question. I would say. Obviously, who's America? Lexi and Spieth. Yeah, that's the team. Or DJ. Or DJ. Eh, let's let's keep DJ away from her. Let's go Spieth <laughs> and Lexi. And uh, South Korea would be. It would be um, the girl that's on top. Say you. And see Kim. Ryu. Yeah. I I, I think we'd be favored. I yeah. It would be it would be almost like an advantage disadvantage. I think we'd have to be favored, but they'd have more quality teams. I don't know. That'd be that'd they'd be, be deeper. They'd have a better. They'd have a lot more teams that could win it probably. But going back to the Solheim Cup, the biggest problem with the Solheim Cup is that it should be South Korea versus the world. Yeah, it really should be. It like that would be entertaining. Like that is what the event should be because they are they are the most dominant um, country for women's golf. Like, let's stop tiptoeing around the subject. Like they dominate. Like the world versus South Korea would be one hundred times more captivating than U.S. versus Europe. And I think European Women's Tour is like going out of business. I would probably be more inclined to watch U.S. versus or South Korea versus the world. I should say, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so I mean, I get we'd get to have like Lydia Ko on our team. It'd be and 
the Jutanagarns. Yeah. And then, yeah, it would be super exciting. That's what they need to do. If uh, if anybody's the listening. hockey hockey kind of did something like that with their All Star game, right? They went North America and versus the world versus the world, yeah, and that got some some spike in ratings at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so staying on the PGA talk, the angry golfer from Glenview chimes in again. He wants to know about slow play on tour. He seems he says it's it's just disgusting. I think it's disgusting too. I, I I hate playing slow. I would rather not play than play over five hours. That's that's how much, or even over four and a half. That's how much I hate slow play. But I get these guys are competing for a major, and you know it's their livelihood. And you know, like Day had a comment before the season started that he was like, oh, you know, this is my. I'm trying to win a major. I'm going to take however long I can. And you know that they can say that, but at the end of the day, there was a. There was a res- there was a, a survey of PGA Tour players. Eighty four percent of them said slow play was a major problem. So if eighty four percent of them think it's a problem, then somebody has to hold them accountable. I think I think you should have. A, I mean, it's hard to differentiate between guys and groups, which is why the USGA does the policy where they you know first they penalize the whole group, then ask questions. But there there has to be accountability. Otherwise, they, the sport is going to continue to lose fans. It just it takes too long, and if it's if kids are watching these guys play in six hours, they're going to think that you know they're going to think it's okay. I, I'd like to see a lot more penalties. Yeah, I think the other thing that goes unnoticed a lot of times is like Jason Day is unaffected by slow play because he plays really slow. But what about the guy in your group that's like a quick player, like? Right. You're, it's kind of almost like gamesmanship. So oh, it totally is. It's it, like I'm a fast player, and like in tournaments, I kind of just shut it off. But like when I'm playing casual golf and somebody's really slow, it just it irritates the shit out of me. Um, and I think like you, just just be mindful. Like there's something that, something that bothers me in society more than anything is when people are completely like blind to their surroundings and just like you're like how do you not like notice like you're just like by you getting what you want are completely like screwing over the the rest of the world you know that really bugs me and that's kind of what that's what slow play is on the pga tour is like especially like when you have these regular events where where like guys have to play behind you or like say you had the first tee time off and you wrap around and you get behind somebody like the leaders and you know they're just so slow like that that's wrong that has to change more penalties yep more penalties okay let's do an architecture question do architects find the great holes then the routing or they find the routing and create the best holes possible that's from porter golf so i i'm not an architect but one of the things that fascinates me the most about architecture is routing. Um, and I think everybody does it different. I heard uh, a story about Bill Coor, and I've been trying to to um, get this fact-checked, but Bill Coor used to, I don't know if he still does it anymore, but he used to camp on, on the ground that he would get for a golf course uh, for like two or three weeks. And he'd stay up at all hours of night watching animals roam the land. 
because he was convinced that he they knew the easiest way to walk around the land. So he'd route the golf courses so it was easy to walk. Um, That's but, crazy. Yeah, I, it, I mean, I think it'd be fascinating just to walk around with an architect on a land piece of land that they're building just to see how they do it. But for the most part, I think they find the most dramatic features. So whether it be like a downhill, you know, with a great view and they put holes they want there and then they route around those kind of key holes and figure out how to connect them. I, it, it, to go back to the Bill Coor thing, you know, there's a famous quote about Sandhills where he had, you know, tens of thousands of acres of land is, you know, there's like, they had something, thousands of golf holes that they found when they were walking this land. And it was just a matter of narrowing it down to 18, the 18 best ones. Um, That's kind of nutty. Yeah. I, I mean, talk about like a, I I don't think I'd, the worst part I think as an architect would be like, I'd always be second guessing myself. Like, did I actually pick the right holes? All right, let's stick with architecture. Kind of an architecture question. HM wants to know water ha- water hazard power rankings, rankings, oceans, lakes, creeks, etc. I I hate all water hazards for the most part. <laughs> I hate lakes. Lakes are by far at the bottom, especially man-made lakes. I think we need to sub- change this to man-made lakes and regular lakes. You know, if the lake was there then that's way better. But man-made lakes are the worst. I would say, I think oceans are great for views, but from a from a golf per- course perspective, maybe a little overrated. So I, I actually love a, a thin little narrow creek because it's subtle and it, like, if you use it the correct way, like a lot of the great architects do, like if you look at Augusta, how they use the, how... Mackenzie used Ray's Creek that went through it. All the lakes got put in there by uh, Robert Trent Jones. But like, if you look at how he used the creek, um, it's it's incredible. And I think like a, a creek is so underrated. So I'm, I'll go creek, ocean, and then lake, man-made lake. What about you? That's funny you say creek. I'm gonna go with my favorite and least favorite. My favorite is a meandering creek just like 13 at Augusta, you know, something that's rugged. Um, I love that. It's, I, I think any hole with that is automatically awesome. And then my least favorite are the metal, um, the metal retaining walls um, on ponds. I, there are some good courses that have, you know, Medina has them actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I, if you're going to do it, I like it to be the Pete Dye kind of railroad ties. I don't really like that either, but at least that's better than metal. So those are my those are my two water hazard optics. Uh, all right. So um, oh, this is from Derek from Mattoon. How high do you have to finish in a tournament in order to send out a tweet or Facebook post thanking the tournament officials and host courses? He's asking for a friend. I'm gonna say not applicable. I think you should always send send out a tweet or a Facebook post uh, because it's it's a gentlemanly sport and that's a very pros pro gentleman move. I agree. If, if you are a true gentleman, you'll send out a post every time. 
I think it looks even better if you you know miss the cut or finish seventy third. It looks even better. I I would also throw in a a congrats to the winner. Great playing. Didn't see that score out here unless you won. Right. That's always a nice thing to do. Good sportsmanship. <laughs> um. All right. So uh, let's see. You got any good uh, war stories from the from the Am game? Like I uh, saw that Walker asked about the yeah. about Stu Hagestad getting his club stolen the other day. Um, it actually reminded me of this really funny story in college. I had a uh, teammate um, that was his roommate was a lo- like a longtime friend since they were four or five years old. His roommate was a little bit of a shady guy, and um, my buddy left his house for some reason for a couple days. I think he went home to see his parents and he got back and he couldn't find his golf clubs and he's asking his roommate and he's wondering what's going on. You know, someone just walked in the house and took my clubs like what's going on. It's, you know, it says, you know, his name on it and everything. And, uh, as it, when they filed the police report, as it turned out, his roommate had taken them to a pawn shop and put them on layaway, you know, (laughs) to go gamble thinking he would win the money, get the clubs back and, uh, his roommate would be none the wiser, but <laughs> that blew up in his face. That's immediately the first thing I thought of when I saw that. Just a ridiculous story. Um, so I I used to uh, when I was when I was single, I'd still try and compete in weekend events, and I'd be you know out blazing a trail in the city of Chicago. And I, and I'd recently started uh, seeing a girl. And I played really bad on on Saturday in this tournament, and I had the first tee time out on Sunday morning. And I was like, you know what, you know, fuck it, I'm I'm going out. And uh, I met up with this girl and ended up out like all night. And like, sure enough, like six a.m. rolls around, and I'm like, I, I gotta go play a golf tournament. And <laughs> I I get out to the course, and I just felt all kinds of awful. And it was, you know, you had to walk. And, uh, oh God, that's devastating. Oh, it was, it was horrendous. But, you know, I come out and I, I just, I hit the ball to like inside of three feet, the first three holes. And all, all of a sudden I'm like three under through three. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I might need to do this more often. You know, it, it quickly unraveled. I ended up shooting, like, I think I made a 10 on the last hole for 84. And it was just a disastrous day. I, I got off the golf course. And, and I was wearing sunglasses the whole round, and one of my playing partners saw me and was like, oh, my, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> then I went home, and I think I slept till the next morning, and then I went to work and was like, oh, what a disastrous weekend. Playing, uh, playing hungover, for me, ball striking is usually not the issue. It's putting, and more specifically, speed putting. <laughs> I've been like 15 feet, you know, a little down the hill and I'll have 22 feet coming back. Like stuff you can't even imagine. You're just like, how did that happen? That's, uh, Kyle and I played together in this invitational. It was handicapped this year. And uh, it, it started on Saturday and they had like this dinner slash party on Friday night. And we're, we're talking to each other and we're like, all right, we're just, we're not going to get too drunk uh, tonight. And sure enough, like we ended up having way too many drinks. And uh, we had to, it was a handicap event. We had to add shots on this par three. So the, like, the whole time we were worried about the second hole 
which is this sh- tough little downhill park. Oh, right? We both hit it to like uh, inside 15 feet, and, and it was the second hole of the day. I think we'd either birdied or part of the first, and we're like slapping hands, and we're like, yeah, we're going to make we're going to make at worst par. You know, we're going to... I think we literally looked at each other on the way to the green and said, oh, man, that's huge. Nice job. Got it over with. Then uh, Kyle four-putted and I three-putted. Not good. (laughs) Not good at all. And we walked off... Hands were a little shaky. (laughs) Yeah, so that was a a disaster. It's... uh, There's a a lot of good stories. Um, All right, let's get into overrated, underrated. Um... Louie, overrated, underrated from Andy K. Underrated for sure. I think we already we already talked about why I, he's a borderline Hall of Famer, right? And he he's got to he's he's underrated. He makes the rare case of uh, he's underrated in America. I bet in in South Africa he's probably overrated. Possibly. Um, Wanamaker Trophy. I'm gonna say. Underrated. Um, it is a major. You can never underestimate a major win, right? So many, I mean, it's what everyone, all those guys are playing for. Plus, it slept with Jason Duffner, and he has pretty good taste in uh, what he's sleeping with. So underrated. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say it's underrated also because of how big it is. Like, I always think about the trophies I see on like the European tour and they're like massive, like, you know, you win like swords and like scepters, like out of game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah. Like they have awesome trophies. And then like, you see the, the, the players is like this little tiny piece of crystal and like the U S opens pretty small. Um, but then like the Wanamaker trophy is like, it's a big, big trophy. Like I think with trophies, size is underrated it's got like i want to win a big ass trophy just like i want to get size matters yeah i want a big ass check too you know oh yeah for sure if i was a if i was a tour pro just like happy gilmore i demand the big check (laughs) all right let's get one uh this question in because i like it and it's kind of crazy um rory's poor 2017 versus dj's 2017 um the media has been talking a lot about rory wasting this season and basically who had a worse year rory or dj so i think this question if it's one question is if you look at the majors and it's another if you look at the overall season because like dj dj won riviera which is probably the strongest non-WGC uh, or major championship field. So he won that, and then he won two WGC events, which are, you know, essentially major-type fields, but just smaller. So, you know, you've got the top 64 or 75 players. So if you look at that, DJ clearly had the better year, but it was extremely disappointing what he did in the majors. If you look at just strictly the majors, then I think Rory had a better year. I agree 100%. You look at, I mean, DJ, um, his average finish in the Open and the PGA was 33 and a half. He missed the cut in the U.S. Open, and he self-inflicted, missed the 
Masters, where Rory with a seventh, a fourth, and a 22nd, and then obviously the miscut at Aaron Hills, I don't even think there's a comparison there. Rory's year blew DJs out of the water in the majors. Um, and, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's what everyone remembers. So I'm going to say DJs was much more disappointing. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing everybody was talking about DJ, I, this just goes to all of golf and how people just overreact about golfers and like hot, hot streaks. Cause we saw DJs kind of run through last year after the U S open till this year's masters somewhat mirrored Jason's days before him went right. from the end of 2015 through 2016, where, I mean, he was unstoppable. Um, but like, those guys, like, you know, they had, like, a, a good 12 months of st- sustained being the best player in the world. And then you see, like, JT, like, early in the year, everybody was like, is he better than Jordan Spieth? And you you still get that now. But, like, I think golf, Tiger spoiled everybody into thinking that do- uh, you could have a, you know, we're going to see a guy that just dominates golf for a really long period of time. And the reality is that's not going to happen. No, I mean, I, it looked like after DJ won in Mexico, he was going to win literally every event the rest of the year. Then he falls down the stairs or whatever happened at the Masters. And, uh, you know, not the same guy. And that's what the time off will do to you. But you brought it up. So which is who's the better player, Justin or Jordan? I, I think it depends on the golf course. I think they're both they're both world-class talents. Um if you're playing a golf course that's ultra demanding tee to green, I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. But if it's a golf course that's a little bit more strategic and and more about, you know, thinking and more more challenging around the greens, I'm going to go with Jordan Speed. I'm going to say Speed and if I had to put money on who would have the better career, it would be Spieth. But I think Justin Thomas has the higher ceiling. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that, I think Spieth, it, it, like Justin Thomas is going to miss a lot more cuts and majors than Jordan Spieth is. Right. Um, and Jordan Spieth, uh, Jordan Spieth's uh, floor is just so high. Whereas I think his ceiling isn't quite as high because he doesn't have the the power that, that Thomas has, you know, Thomas right. has that, that power that you see from guys like Rory. He's, he's not quite like Rory or DJ, but he's, he's right there. And then, and, and that gives him a little bit of an advantage. I think he's, when his ball striking's on, on, he's, I mean, he's pretty hard to stop. I agree. Um, so I would say, yeah, I think that's, that's, um, I mean, so how would you, uh, how would you kind of, rate how would you rank the young stars like if you had to go one through five with here we'll pull it up so i'm I'm gonna give you like you're betting on these guys career you got jordan hideki justin thomas uh john rom and we'll throw brooks is a little older than those guys now ricky's older too We'll throw uh, we'll throw Daniel Berger in there. Ooh, that's a good one. 
So those five guys, who who do you think like how would you rank them as far as like what you would expect career wise having the best career? Boy, I I test. I want to say Hideki, but obviously we talked about his putting. Um, I'm gonna say Spieth one, Rom two, Hideki three. Um. JT four burger five. I it's hard to say. You know, I just put JT four on that list. That's that seems disrespectful almost, but that's a tough list. That's a that's five good good players, great players. It's it's kind of crazy. You could put Thomas Peters in there too. Yep, that's uh, sure could. So I yeah I think I'd go. Mine would look. Oh man, see one of the things with Rom is he's already twenty three. Like he's you want only, to say Rom won so bad. No, I don't. But like he's twenty three. Like that's something that gets lost because he's just he's new, and it's right. Like, Plus he looks old too. It's like it's like Hideki's been playing professional golf for like four years, and he's twenty five. So it's like you know Rom, and and then like the same with Spieth. Spieth turned pro at what twenty or twenty one, hmm? or nineteen? Did he turn pro at 19? no? I think he played two years at Texas and then turned pro, right? Or did he just play one? I think he just played one. Wow. So he was 19 then. So it's like, like, that's something that always gets lost is age when you when you think about. And Berger, I think Berger is like, Berger's a guy that could end up being like three of those guys that you have to, at this point, I, I you know what, I'm going Spieth, Hideki, I, I love Rom. I, I, so I'm going Spieth, Hideki, JT, Berger, Rom. I'm just, I'm in on Berger. I like Bur. I mean, I love Burger's game. We, we both actually said in the last podcast that we thought he had a good chance to win. Didn't didn't happen, but he missed. Um, he of course he emceed <laughs> DraftKings down the tube. Uh, no, no million dollars. Yeah, I, I it, it is. There's so many great young players. I mean, Siwoo Kim, you could put in there. He's only twenty. Yeah, he's young and very very good. I think he has that you know back issue, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is. Due to his teacher, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what if he can stay healthy. But if he can, for sure, there's a lot of young guys with a ton of talent. Yeah, um, and then uh, all right. Any tea times on the tea sheet that are overrated or underrated? You got you got anything on this? I don't know from, that I have from much. Jim Neville. I don't know that I have much on it. I think that it it all for me it all depends on weather. Um, if the weather, if you know, it's all you, it, it all, it's all weather based. Sometimes I like going out early in the morning. Sometimes I like playing late in the afternoon, whether it's fun in a tournament. I feel like I score a little better. I'm a little more awake in the afternoon, but the winds a little calmer usually in the morning. So I, I, I really have no, no preference. I would say the only thing I, I like noticeably prefer is if I'm in like a, a multi-day event and there's 36 holes, I really like having a late tea time the first day, early morning the second. Because I'm I feel, 100% with you. Because I feel like I can take the afternoon, if I play well, like basically you get home, you go to sleep, and you're awake the next day, and it's like, you know, there's very little disconnect. Like there's nothing worse than you play a really good round, and then you have to wait like over 24 hours to play again 
plus you're thinking about it and you're you know you're seeing the scores come in and you're seeing how good players some good players you know shot poor scores and you're like oh man i didn't know that was out there convincing yourself you know you could possibly play that there's just a whole that for sure i like late early yeah late early is uh especially yeah i late early i'm a big fan of but otherwise you know it's it's nice to get the one it's nice to have the greens really nice early in the morning but it's sometimes i feel like i drink too much coffee or stuff i you know that's a that's my my one of my i I always struggle figuring out what the proper coffee intake is i have always wondered that because i drink a lot of coffee me too it's i'd love to i'd love i wonder if there's anybody on tour that's like a a coffee specialist i'm sure there is they got everything i i always wonder that too because i i've gotten coffee at the turn before in big events and i you know i've played fine i I don't think it's probably good for you. Yeah. But may, I mean, I'd like to know. I guess I'd like to know. What I'd like to know is how bad is it for me, performance-wise. I can't believe it'd be bad if you're used to it, like in your in your like asleep. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not great to you know have a downhill four foot left to right slider after drinking two and a half cups of coffee, but maybe. Yeah. I. All right. Well. We'll end it there. Nobody needs to hear any more about how much coffee we drink. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks for coming on. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. Thanks for all the questions uh, from the listeners. And uh, let us know if you got new questions for next time. And uh, we'll talk to you in a little while.